0: This is the Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 28. On today's episode, we are talking to simple lifestyle advocate Brooke Harris about her journey to find simplicity and how she went from being the breadwinner for her family to quitting her job so she could stay home with her kids. And it's all thanks to minimalism. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hey there, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Deanna Yates. In today's episode, we are chatting with Simple Living expert, Brooke Harris, and it is a good one. Brooke's journey into minimalism began with her feeling frustrated and smothered, but she wasn't sure why. She wanted life to be simpler, so in 2017, she committed to starting in her closet. Now, I don't want to spill all the beans, but she says it was the best decision ever because the results helped her clean out her entire home and quit her job. Brooke is a Simple Living blogger, wife and mom to two daughters. Her motto to simplify, find more joy, and be intentional with her time changed her life for the better, She writes about her experience at HappysimpleMom.com, where she helps busy moms reclaim all the joys of their motherhood. Brooke believes by simplifying your life, you can experience a home that brings you joy and happiness, and stop letting the mess weigh you down. Let's get to chatting with Brooke Harris. All right. Hi, Brooke. Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm good. Surviving with the kids at home. (laughs) Uh, absolutely. Yes. So before we started, we were kind of giving a recap on our coronavirus uh, moments. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> it is definitely different for both of us to have our children at home and husbands at home more frequently. Um, yes. So it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I like to start these guest uh, podcasts with kind of your story. So can you tell me what led you to minimalism or living more simply and a life with intention? Absolutely. So I call the
1: very beginning of our minimalist journey, the big clean out of 2017. So I, in early 2016, I felt smothered. I didn't know why. I didn't necessarily feel smothered by my stuff. But I had two very young children. They were born within a year of each other. Um, So two very young children. I was working full-time outside of the home. My husband uh, travels for a living, so he was gone about 50% of the time. And I just felt overwhelmed all the time. Um, There was never a break, it seemed. And a lot of that has to do with having young children and a husband that travels. But a lot of it has to do with the life that I was building. So by working full-time outside of the home and just sh- shopping for lack of a better word. I didn't know that was a problem in the beginning, but like, you know, we're so caught up in this American way of life where I was working, I was shopping, I was trying to earn a bigger home so that I could put more stuff into our bigger home. It's just like I was trying to fulfill this obligation to a way of life that I just thought we were supposed to be living. So what I did is I decided, you know, it was like the trend to have a word for the year. So I decided my word for the year was going to be simplified. I had no idea what that would look like. So I did what a lot of people do. I was like, oh, it's January 1st. I'm going to simplify this year. I'm going to start with my closet. So I didn't know how to do that. I had a favorite store online that literally delivered packages to my door almost every other week, I knew when their sales ran, I knew what size I wore, I knew when their next line was coming out. It was a little embarrassing. So I decided that I was spending too much money, I had too many clothes, and I was gonna just simplify that to start with. So I started cleaning out my closet, and that led to a resolution within the first week of the new year that I was going to not shop for any clothes for 30 days. Which, you know, when you're shopping all the time, that's a big deal. 30 days comes and goes, and I had gotten rid of so many clothes, clothes with tags on them, clothes I never wore, clothes that were I'd never liked, but I bought. I mean, the list goes on. And so I made a really drastic resolution at the end of January that I was going to not buy clothes for a year. My husband thought I was crazy, and I was like, "Don't, don't buy me clothes. I'm not going to buy clothes. My birthday's in May. I actually had a girlfriend thought I was so crazy. She sent me gift cards to go buy clothes because she couldn't understand why I would not want to buy clothes. And I did it. So Cliff Notes version, I actually made it through to the end of the year. I didn't buy any clothes that year. I think I bought maybe on a whim, like two summer dresses one summer. But I had a rule that I was allowed to go to any thrift store if I needed something. And I was allowed to buy something that was used. I think in the grand scheme of it, I maybe spent $20 throughout the whole year. When you're going from several hundred dollars a month <laughs> to $20 in a year, that's a huge difference. So that, that was just close. But that started my simple living, minimalist exploration because I realized in that time period when I wasn't going to the stores anymore, that there were a lot of other things I didn't need also. And so I started cutting back on the other things I was putting into my home. And then that's when I started down the minimalist route. I was reading blog posts. I was reading books. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can have a life with less. So that was the beginning of 2017. Over the course of a year, I cut out so much of our spending that we realized I didn't need to work outside of the home anymore. And I was the breadwinner for a long time. So I quit my job two weeks into January 2018, so one year later, I quit my job, and it all started with not buying clothes for a year. We moved from our home in suburbia, and we moved out into the middle of nowhere in the mountains. I decided to start this blog, Happy Simple Mom, where I talk about minimalism. I talk about simple living, intentional living, and I stay home with the kids and my husband who travels now when he's home, I'm home. And it's just, it's great. It was this whole simple life that I didn't know could exist. And it's all because I started living with less. It was to save money. It was to simplify. And then with that, I didn't just get rid of clothes. I get rid of excess. I decluttered every room in our house. I got rid of probably more things than my husband likes, but I got rid of stuff we just learned to live a life with less. He's on board now. We travel more. And now during coronavirus, it's great because we actually pulled our kids out of school and we're homeschooling them until the end of the year. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was working full time outside of the home. So I still work. I still have this business I'm building on the side, but I'm able to do it on my schedule, my time and, you know, be here when they're here. So that's pretty cool.
0: Oh, my gosh, that's such an amazing story. Oh, thank you for sharing. And I think it's so cool. The things I took away from that is just that first domino. You just don't know what the future has in store for you until you start. And I just it's so cool. Thank you. And it's just amazing. And congrats for all of that, you know, success. That's amazing. Yes. Gosh. Okay. Well, I was reading through your blog, which is wonderful. So we will definitely leave a link in the show notes so people can find you. But one of your posts discussed, you call it the flat surface clutter rule. And Mm -hmm. I want to see if you can explain what that is, because I know I struggle with flat surfaces. I know a lot of my listeners struggle with flat surfaces. So how does this work for you? Sure.
1: So the flat surface clutter rule is actually my most popular blog post. Um, It was one of the very first blog posts I wrote when I started Happy Simple Mom because it was kind of that conceptual idea that I took on to help me when I had no idea where to start. So when your house is full of clutter, all you see is like this stuff everywhere and you're overwhelmed, but you don't know like, okay, well, where do I go? I always tell my clients, you know, start with one shelf, one drawer, one room at a time. You don't have to tackle your entire home. In fact, it took me six months to get comfortable and a year to be done with decluttering. But with the flat surface clutter rule, it's basically any flat surface. Look at it and decide what actually needs to be on it. And it sounds really simple when you say it out loud, but Say you start with your kitchen counter and maybe not even in your entire kitchen counter. Maybe you start with like one section of your kitchen counter and see and evaluate what you need on that space. For example, with the kitchen, we got rid of, and this is where my husband fought me a little bit, our coffee maker. And I drink tea. So he's like, come on, you drink tea. I drink coffee. And we actually explored the idea of what are some other alternatives, because you are the only person in this house that drinks coffee. So we actually researched and we got him a French press. Now he's moved on to an AeroPress. But nonetheless, these are tiny little contractions that can fit into a cabinet, um, which make way better coffee than a coffee maker, supposedly. So he's happy. And we got this major appliance off of a flat surface. Other ideas, so I have two methods i describe in the flat surface clutter rule. There's like the slow method. So that's kind of what I just described there. Taking one section, whether it's a tabletop or a shelf, that's a flat surface, or your floor, and evaluating that one space. Or you can do what I call the fast method, where laundry baskets. Go get a laundry basket and take that section of the room you're working on and pull everything off, even the stuff that you use and really evaluate what do I need in this space? Only putting back what you need and want. And we all have different ways of appreciating, or I guess like the clutter that we have in our home. Like some hardcore minimalists want nothing on their counters. Some people want that functional stuff that they use every single day. They want that out and present because they use it every day. So for some people, getting rid of your coffee maker off your counter is insane. Or getting rid of your blender because you make a smoothie every single morning would be crazy. We, make, we go through phases where we make smoothies, so we keep our blender underneath. Um, but those kinds of concepts of like truly evaluating what you want on those flat surfaces. And it goes way further than just your countertops or your tabletops or your shelves. The floor space was like the flat surface that probably impacted us the most. I remember when I first did our bedroom, we had extra furniture in the room. We stored things on the floor just because there was, I remember having like this big envelope of x-rays. And I don't know, where do you put (laughs) x-rays? So we, like they were stored on the floor behind a piece of furniture, but they were still visible. And it was just like little things like that is finding them a designated place that just wasn't thrown on top of a table. We had a dining room table that I, it was extra. Like we had a formal dining room table and then we had a kitchen table. And the dining room table was right when you walked into the home. And I have this real life photo where I like walked in one day and took a a picture. It was like snacks and mail and newspapers and work and kids artwork and it, All of those things that got dumped there every day, that was our dumping ground, had no place to go. And so when you have stuff that has no place to go, it naturally will just pile up. So a lot of us do that with our mail or um, you get this new thing that enters your home. And so instead of creating a place for it, you just dump it there. That becomes the designated place. And I threatened my family once. I was like, I'm going to turn this table on its side so that you guys can't put anything on it became aware when my preschooler at the time was like, mama, I have no idea where to put my artwork. And I was like, light bulb went off. I was like, oh, well, mama can help you with that. I don't know where to put your artwork either, but let's, let's create a space for your artwork. So we actually hung a board on her wall in her bedroom with some really cute magnets where she can curate her artwork. But it's something so simple as creating a designated place that's not that flat surface. That's pretty much the flat surface rule in a nutshell. I have a couple other posts, one on kitchen counters, one on your bathroom counters. But the same idea is if you can get the flat surfaces cleared, when you walk into a room, it's immediately going to feel so much calmer. doesn't mean you have to get rid of everything, but it's going to feel calmer. You're not going to see that mess. And it also helps when people come over unexpectedly because all of a sudden, all those spaces that they see are cleared and they're clutter-free and everything has a spot that's not necessarily right there out in the open.
0: Got it. Okay. So the flat surface, let me, let me just kind of break that back down for everybody who's listening. So flat surface is basically any flat horizontal space that could be any counter, any shelf, your floor, anything where you can set something on it and gravity will not drop it to the floor. Mm Mm-hmm. And Basically, you have a couple ways for people to do it, the slow method where they take one section at a time and they evaluate whether the things on there need to be there, or the fast method where you basically just the angry day I'm envisioning someone, the angry day of just wiping off their whole desk, be like, "I am done with this." And you put <laughs> yeah. it all in a laundry basket. <laughs> And take each piece out, basically. And as you take them out, you find a home for each of those pieces, which ideally is not on your flat surface. Absolutely. (laughs) Yep. Okay, cool. And then it's super important because, one, it gives your home the sense of calm because you're not visually looking at the clutter every time you either walk in the door or walk past a space. And two, makes it much easier if friends want to stop by unexpectedly, which we are all crossing our fingers for is sooner rather than later in this time where we are now home (laughs) alone and can't even see our friends. Okay. Did I get that right? You did. Perfect. Once we have our spaces clear, how do you recommend people keep them that way? Because, great, I... I have been guilty of this in the past. I go through, I have this whole thing of like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I, you know, tackle everything. And then somehow there's a little bit of creep and it can start creeping back in. So how do we avoid that? We will be right back. And now back to the show.
1: I think I would be lying if I said the creep didn't happen, (laughs) the clutter creep. Um, So one thing I like to say to a lot of my clients is clutter attracts more clutter. Um, I always liken it to, you know, when your mother-in-law is going to come over and so you clean the house obsessively and then it stays that way her entire visit because you're on it, right? You're cleaning up constantly whenever you leave a room. And like, that's not real life though. Like real life, we leave things around. And eventually that clutter keeps coming back. So what I like to do is I do try to be purposeful about it. Um, Something I read once was, and I don't remember the source, but it was like if you're working on, say, an art project or a sewing project at your kitchen table or you're journaling or whatever it is that you're doing, when you're done, immediately putting that stuff away. Because what happens is, is if you leave it, then the next time that you come to that space, It's not a big deal to leave something else because it's already a mess. And then when you come to that space again, it's not a big deal to leave something else there because it's already a mess. But I don't know something clicks in our brains where it's clean, we want to leave it that way. Just like we did when we were preparing for someone to come to our home. If you know someone's coming in a couple days or a couple couple hours, you get something out, you put it back. You get, you know, and it's a repeat and that's how you keep it away. But again, real life happens, so what do you do? We probably nightly do a quick 10-minute pickup. We don't do a lot, but for 10 minutes, and a lot of times we try to do it before dinner because if let's be honest with kids, if you do it before bed, they can take a really long time And they don't really get it done. But if they're motivated for dinner or motivated for fun activities, we'll say, I'm going to set a 10 minute timer. I'll put it on the stove on our little clock and I'll say go and we'll see who can pick up the most. And just in 10 minutes, you can really create a greater sense of calm in a room and they don't have to clean up their whole room. Like especially with now with homeschooling at home. It's like go and they get all of their books they've pulled out throughout the day or they get their random socks that they pulled out throughout the day or (laughs) crayons or colored pencils, papers, all the little things that they pulled out. And it wasn't a big deal, that one item, but they accumulate. And so getting those all back to where they go. So breaking it up into like 10 minute cycles throughout the day or even once a week putting on maybe a 30-minute timer and saying, let's clear off these sections. Let's clear off this counter. Let's clear off this table. For my youngest, who's not naturally organized, she'll say, mommy, I think my shelves need some help. And so she, you know, overwhelms her, but I will help her and we'll figure out where things go. So just little pieces and try instead of trying to do it, you know, once a month where it's just overwhelming.
0: Got it. So just keep up on the maintenance. And I we do that in our home too, the quick 10-minute, 15-minute pickup at the end of the day. Although I may have to try switching it to before dinner. I like this idea. Because yeah, sometimes it isn't as effective as, you know, we'd like it to be. So All right. Good tip. I'm going to try that one. <laughs> so you said you have also struggled with your or you overcame your family, not wanting to be on board necessarily. You mentioned something about your husband not liking how much you've gotten rid of. So, um, and that, oh gosh, yes. It can be difficult when you've made a decision and you have to bring others along the journey Uh with you. So how have you gotten your family on board? When
1: I first started off, what happens is, is when you declutter, you get really excited. Once you overcome all of those emotions of letting go, you're on a roll, man, and you can let anything go, including other people's stuff. And it's easy for you because it's not your stuff. So putting it in the back of your car to take to the good local goodwill is easy, peasy. I learned really quickly that I could do that with my young kids with a lot of things. I did it while they were napping. I don't recommend that for older kids, but when they are little, the junk that accumulates, was super easy to let go, and they didn't even miss it. Now that they're older, they're seven and eight now. They are more involved. Um, we do regular cleanouts. In fact, they've gotten to the point with a lot of practice that they will often bring me things and say, "I don't play with this anymore. Let's give it to somebody else." My husband, though, is what I like to call a maximalist. <laughs> he likes his stuff. He likes things for just in case. He's sentimental, and I think a lot of us are sentimental. I think I miss that bone somewhere. But a lot of us do have that sentimental bone and we like to hold on to things. And that's wonderful. That's how we preserve memories. So we really balance each other out. But I had to learn not to touch his stuff in the beginning. And that was a hard lesson because in the beginning, I was very willing to touch his stuff. I was very willing to suggest we get rid of it. And when you start suggesting that someone get rid of their things before they've had the time to process, they are going to fight you tooth and nail every step of the way now what i like to tell my clients is always start with your stuff start with your closet don't even touch their side of the closet start if you run out of stuff to do in the house it's your stuff and be honest like have you really gone through every ball of yarn you have have you really gone through every scrapbook paper you have or whatever your thing is whatever your hobbies are when you truly have touched everything that is yours then start on the deep storage closets, like the closets that nobody sees and nobody wants Or start on the kids clothes, like things that they don't care about, but start in the areas where people don't care. And so a lot of times that meant when my husband, especially in the beginning, like my side of the closet looked beautiful and immaculate and organized. And I got rid of shoes I didn't need and his was a mess. And that was okay. It got to where he slept on the other side of the room away from the door. I was literally pile things up on his side that was hidden by the bed so that if someone were to see it, my side was clean. Same thing with his closet. If I found things around the house, I would, I, I, said to him, I said, is it okay? Because I don't know where things go because you have so much of it. If I just put them in your closet and shut the door because we have separate little closets. And he was like, yeah, that's absolutely fine because then I know you're not going to get rid of it. Just little things like that where maybe I got him on board with putting them somewhere. If it, he didn't have a place for them and didn't want me to touch it, then that's fine. I'm going to put it in your space and then you can organize it. I like to file fold my clothes so where you fold them and then you stack them vertically. He thought it was insane. He watched one episode of Marie Kondo last year. After a year doing it myself, I was willing to try it. He didn't keep with it, but nonetheless, he was willing to try it. So sometimes when they're told by you that you need to do something, it's not cool. They don't want to even explore the idea. But if they have time to see it in action for your, for how it's working for you, they can make that decision themselves. So I always, always tell my clients, I tell my readers, don't touch their stuff. It's hard. It's rough. And if you have to, especially with older kids, shut the door. If you have to, just shut the door and let it work itself out. My older child loves organizing things. She's just born with this desire to have neatness and orderliness and it's wonderful. Her room looks great. My younger one she will ask for help mommy can you help me with my shelves mommy can you help me with my she calls it her workshop the stuff she keeps under her bed (laughs) it's just a mess but she's like can you help me with my workshop and like once a month we'll pull everything out and i just have learned to accept the fact that her workshop is a disaster but she will ask me for help and as she gets older learning how she wants things She's getting more organized. She's getting tidier. But there's that piece of creativity that she has and that wildness that she has that I just have learned to accept. And I closed her door. I'll wait on her to get to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. My favorite part from what you're saying is that having their their space, right, where Mm -hmm. they know their stuff will be kept, it gives them a sense of calm. And then it gives you a sense of calm because it gives you a place to be like, nope that is their stuff that is where i put their stuff if it's out of place you know and then it allows the rest of the home to function well for everybody in it and no that's a great tip to kind of keep have that safe area for them and then they can come along when they feel ready and again i have found the same thing with my daughter with school it's amazing what she will do for her teacher and yet, or her father even, she she does much better when dad teaches her than when I do. And I know underlying there is some probably I give in at some point or, you know, some <laughs> other issue, but it is amazing what people will do for the experts that they're not willing to do for you, who they are the most familiar with and love. Yet. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, no, that's Great. Well, if you were starting your minimalism or simple living journey all over again today, you know, knowing what you know now and how awesome that first year went and how far you were able to come, what is the first thing you would do? Would you start in your closet again or is there somewhere else or something else you would do different?
1: Yes, I absolutely would start in my closet again because for me, that was my big money spender. That was the easiest place to save cash. It was the easiest space to save, well, space. (laughs) So I often give that direction to the people um, that are reading my blog is to start with your bedroom or start with your closet. For some people, starting with your closet is overwhelming. Um, you know, it just it causes tears and it's just too much. But for so I say, okay, then start with your bedroom. You know it's easy to clear off your nightstand or it's easy to clear off either under your bed or maybe a section under your bed. If crafts are your thing, maybe it's easy to start there because that's where you have the most stuff that's taking up space and it's the most money expenditure also. But generally speaking, I, yes, I would start with my closet and I would start with my bedroom and I would start with just my side of the bedroom. I would, Mm. if I had to do things differently, I would leave my husband's stuff alone. I would not mess with his tools or, you know, his sentimental items. Or we had an issue in the beginning where he had boxes and boxes of preschool papers from 35 years ago. (laughs) Yes, it was awful. I pushed that a little too hard in the beginning. And I think if I were to do it all over again, I would definitely, and I tell people, do not start with sentimental stuff. Save that for last. And to push someone else's sentimental stuff is like the worst thing that you do. And I would have saved that for last as well.
0: Ah, good tips. Good, good, good stuff. (laughs) So where can people find you? Because I'm sure after all this wonderful information, they are just dying to kind of follow up and read more. So where can people find you? Sure. I
1: blog over at happysimplemom.com. If you head to my website, there will be a freebie. My most popular one is a 52-week decluttering checklist. Again, with decluttering, it can be overwhelming and you don't know where to start. So what you can do is if you go there, you can sign up for this checklist where it gives you 52 easy-peasy weekly tasks to do. Because if you say, I'm just going to tackle my bedroom this week, that's too much. If I'm going to tackle my nightstand this week, That's doable. And it doesn't just cover decluttering rooms in your home. Sometimes it's decluttering things like your schedule, like cut out one obligation from your schedule. Let's be honest that you never really liked doing. You kind of wish you had said no to. So that kind of stuff. Or, you know, it might be writing down five things that you're grateful for. Just really easy things to help simplify and give more intention to your life. Lots of decluttering, but other things as well. When you sign up for that checklist, it'll also give links to a lot of relevant blog posts so you're not searching around the website. You can actually find that easy stuff.
0: Oh, that's great. The last way I love to end my guest interviews is with three rapid fire questions. So one, what has been your favorite simple pleasure this week?
1: So my favorite simple or guilty pleasure right now is Audible books. I am a huge fan of Audible. Even if it's not Audible, audio books, I like to listen to those while I'm doing laundry, taking the dog on a walk, or just like some me time, especially being an introvert when everybody's home inside of my house. It gives me a way to signal to my kids, mommy's got her headphones in, she's relaxing right now. And she might look like she's not doing anything, but she's relaxing. She's doing some laundry. Leave her be.
0: Got it. And what is the best advice about minimalism that you have ever received?
1: Okay. So I think that comes back to starting with your stuff. It is so tempting to start with everybody else's stuff. And when you go through your own stuff first, it helps you learn how to work through those emotions. And when you can work through your own emotions, you are way better equipped to help other people work through their emotions.
0: Uh, so true. And what is making you happy right now um, or in this season of life when we are stuck at home?
1: I think so for us, like I said, we started homeschooling, but one new like habit we started, I guess you could say, while homeschooling is we read for an hour every morning out loud. Um, We start at 9 a.m. We have our caffeine while we do it and we're reading wonderful books that we've always wanted to cover, like Lion Witch in the Wardrobe or Wrinkle in Time or Little Laura Ingalls. And they're too difficult of books for my little ones to read, but they absolutely adore them. And so we're reading those out loud every morning. And it's just been such a fun new family tradition that we didn't have before.
0: Oh, that's really sweet. I like that. Awesome. Well, Brooke, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure to talk with you today. And I'm sure everybody is going to love that 52-week decluttering checklist. And all those links will be in the show notes so people will be able to find them. And I just appreciate you coming on today and sharing with um, all of our listeners. Awesome. And thank you so much for having me today. This was great. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Wasn't that awesome? Brooke's story of starting with decluttering her closet and changing her whole life is so inspiring. And that flat surface clutter rule is a great rule to live by. Now I have struggled with clutter collecting on surfaces in the past, so I am sure that information will be helpful for you too. Thanks again to Brooke for being a guest on this show. Now, that just about wraps it up for this episode of the Wannabe Minimalist Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you liked what you heard, I would be absolutely delighted if you would leave a review on iTunes. And while you're there, please, please, please take a second to subscribe and be notified of new episodes. Okay, promise this is the final thing. Be sure to join us again next week or I'll have two more guest episodes for you. One will be about implementing quiet time. You Guys, the info is so good. We've implemented her tips in our home and it is a sanity saver. The other episode is about helping your children with keystone habits. I was super impressed with the advice. It's You guys, these are so good. And honestly, these episodes have been so much fun and they are packed with such great information. So I really hope you are enjoying them as much as I am. You really will not want to miss these next two. All right. So I'll see you next week. Cheers.